Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes. Every day I'll give you insights and encouragement. That's a year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this and I always know Jesus has the answer he has that next step for you let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you Happy Thanksgiving from Your Next Step and the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. We are hoping that you have a great meal today, but also that you truly, honestly give thanks, express your gratitude to the God who has blessed you in so many ways. That is one next step today. Pastor Doyle, we're going to talk about some others, though, today, because we're still on this idea of, of getting out of the world's idea of a party. Yeah, I think that what what happens is uh, we... We we love the things of this world, mm-hmm. and we just automatically gravitate towards them. And we use as the example today the Church of Galatia, and they were saved. They they came to know Christ, but then they decided to go back into ungodly behavior. They began to believe that the flesh was enough, and next thing you know, it they're involved in sexual immorality and all sorts of stuff. And Paul says, "No, you need to walk in the Spirit." and Probably my fav- my favorite part of this lesson is that um, I made you talk about sex because yeah. I wasn't there that weekend. Yes, so. you did. So this was a rare one that you actually wrote, not yeah. just the idea or the title, but but actually most of the content yeah. was was yours. And we can't remember exactly how that happened, but yeah, you you did force me to talk about these things. But these are great things to talk about because again, if you look at that Corinthians six passage, he explains to them, you are in a fantasy because you think there's no consequence, but actually you're defiling the body of Christ. We also have that Galatians passage where he says, who has bewitched you? So -hmm. this fantasy is a real thing, and we're going to talk about today. We hope it's going to bless you on your Thanksgiving day here as you listen to this message on your next step. Enjoy some turkey and enjoy your next step. Probably the best I can do here, though, is take you to, uh, again, some commercials I saw on TV. Uh, These were beer commercials. Don't know what beer was for. Not really that interested in knowing. But I know that their tagline was, here we go. And Carl Weathers was in some of them, if you're familiar with Carl Weathers' actor. It was Apollo Creed, right, from the Rocky movies, I think. Um, But he said it wrong. He would say, here we go, like something you would say before play in a sport or something. The way they really meant it to be said was what you saw in some other commercials. There's one commercial where all the men leave town and all the ladies are left uh, alone. And when the men are finally gone, one of the ladies lifts up a a case of of whatever beer it was. And she said, here we go. Yeah. yeah. And all the other ladies are like, woohoo, you know, I don't have that in me. I don't know where it comes from. This is the only time you'll ever say, woo you'll never see that again. All right, so enjoy it now, because it ain't ever happening again. Um, but that is the spirit of the party. That we're t- it's a little bit licentious. It just is kind of over the top, I suppose. The activity of the party, this I can dial in a little better for you, it is consumption. This is what the life of the party fantasy wants us to do. It wants us to consume things. It wants us to consume either the wrong things 
or it wants us to consume good things, but in the wrong way to the wrong degree. It wants us to consume things we shouldn't consume or consume more of the things than we should consume. That is what the life of the party fantasy is. That is what Pastor Doyle wants us to turn away from. Pastor Doyle also wants us to understand that there is a time frame to turning away from these fantasies. And that's another idea, another new idea he's bringing out to us today. He gives us Isaiah 55 here. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on the Lord while he is near. Now, seek the Lord, call on the Lord. That is synonymous with turn to God, return to God, turn away from fantasy, abandon fantasy. This verse, though, introduces a new idea, while he may be found, while he is near. That is time. That is a time frame. It is a time limit. It is a time constraint. We are being told there there is a a terminal point, and you must do this before you hit that terminal point. Pastor Doe asked me as we were talking about these things, he said, have you ever had to do something by a certain date? Have you ever lost something because you didn't do it by that date? Well, I have. As it turns out, that almost happened to me this week. For the past several weeks now, I've been getting emails from my daughter's school. And they've been asking me, are you going to re-enroll your student for next year? And those, they were form emails. You know, they were sent to multiple people, so I just didn't pay attention to them. I said, you know, my wife will take care of that. You know, that's not my business. That's her job. Well, this week, I got an email, and it wasn't a form email. It was a personal email. And it said, dear Mr. McCoy, are you going to re-enroll your student or not? Because if not, we got somebody to take her place. And I responded to that one immediately. <laughs> yes, she will be re-enrolled. Because if she's not re-enrolled, A, she's not going to be educated, right? And it's my responsibility to, to provide her with an education so that she can be a functional adult. But also, B, if she's not re-enrolled, that means I'm stuck with her all day long. <laughs> and that can't happen. I have things to do, you know. I've got work. So, yes, she will be re-enrolled. I took care of that right away. Well, it is similar here. There is a time limit. And we must seek the Lord before time is up. Now, Pastor Doyle also wanted you to know, and I thought this was very good, the time is not up for you yet. There are people that read this, oh, it's too late for me. No, it's not. Here's how we know it's not too late. You are sitting here instead of being six foot underground. Okay, you are breathing, you are hearing my voice, you're holding our sermon notes here in your hands, it's not too late for you. Pastor Doyle said, too late is when you stand before the Lord for the judgment. That's not happened for any of us yet, so there is still time. Pastor Doyle also wants us to understand, though, sooner is better than later. Okay, now here's where we get into the the fantasy of the life of the party. The life of the party says, you've got plenty of time. You got all the time in the world, and you shouldn't be giving your time to God right now. You should be having fun instead. You should be sowing your wild oats. YOLO! You only live once, which is incredibly stupid, but people continue to say it, right? Uh, Billy Joel said, Only the good die young. You have ever heard that where he's talking to Virginia and he's trying to talk her into something, and he, he tells her, Only the good die young, right? By the way, there was a guy in our church, I told Pastor Joel this story. There's a guy in our church in California uh, who grew up on Long Island, which I guess is close to where Billy Joel's from, and he said he knew Virginia. 
He said there was a real Virginia, and he didn't know Billy Joel, but he, he knew her. He knew the, the girl this song was written about. That doesn't contribute to our discussion today. I just think it's interesting, you know, that there's a real Virginia out there. But that is what this fantasy is telling us. That's what the world, the flesh, the devil is telling us. Later is fine. And we're saying, no, later is not fine. I know that you can look at the thief in the cross and say, hey, the thief on the cross, last few moments of his life, turns to Jesus, Jesus receives him. Absolutely. I'm thankful for the thief on the cross because he blesses me to do good work. A couple weeks ago, I had to go see somebody uh, in Ohio State Hospital. That person was in a thief on the cross position. He was not going to be with us very much longer. I told him, you're like the thief on the cross. This is what you need to do. And he did it. Glad for that. But do you really want to be the thief on the cross? Is that your first choice? Okay. I would rather be Samuel. You know what the book of Samuel says? Samuel was serving in the temple at the altar, wearing a linen ephod. It said a a young boy in a linen ephod. He's three or four years old, and he's serving in the temple. Samuel served God his entire life from his birth until his death. You could be the thief on the cross. I would rather be Samuel. And in fact, think about it this way, my friends. If the thief on the cross, and not, not attacking the man, but I'm just saying, if the thief on the cross had turned to Jesus earlier, he never would have been the thief on the cross, right? Because he would not have continued to live the thief lifestyle, wouldn't have got arrested, wouldn't have got crucified, probably would have had 20, 30 more years of God's goodness, right? I believe Pastor Doyle says, what is the benefit of choosing Christ now? You know, the party says the benefit is you have fun. Well, what is the benefit or the blessing of choosing Christ now. I'll give you a couple ideas. Love from the creator, grace and mercy from the father, hope, joy, peace. I can't figure out any other place to get those other than God, and I've been looking for them all my life. Reason, purpose, mission, meaning. I've been looking for those all my life as well, and I can't find any other place other than God. Fellowship with God and with his family, provision, protection. I could go on for quite some time. There is a lot of blessing to being a Samuel rather than being a thief on the cross. Pastor Doyle is encouraging us to take that blessing, receive it today by turning away from fantasy now as soon as possible and turning toward God. That brings us then to the second idea that he has for us. What's so dangerous? It's a question. What's so dangerous about giving into this common fantasy of the life of the party? Well, uh, to answer that question, we're going to leave Colossians and we're going to go to Galatians. I've already mentioned Galatians. I said they had a problem there, heresy. That heresy was legalism. They wanted to save themselves by their deeds, by observing the law. Now, that may sound like that's no party at all. That's the way I've always in, interpreted it up to this week. I've always said, man, if you're legalistic, you're, you're not partying at all. What I realize now is that these guys had just found a different way to get to the party. It may look like they weren't going to the party. They were. They just found a different way to get there. What they were trying to do was compartmentalize the spiritual side of life, the God, the Jesus, the reality. They were trying to meet those requirements, keep God happy, and then once they had done that, then they could sneak out and go party as much as they wanted, right? Here's the thought process. We give God Sunday 
we get to party Monday through Saturday. That is the thought process behind legalism. So they were trying to get to a party year. Once again, Paul takes this heresy head on, smacks it on the head with a hammer. This is what he says. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Again, powerful word, bewitched. Someone put a spell on you. Someone enthralled you. They entranced you. And you fell for it. You came under their spell. That's what it's like when you turn toward the fantasy rather than toward reality God, Jesus. You're bewitched. Paul tries to break him out of this bewitching as he continues in chapter 5. You're familiar with Galatians chapter 5. That's where we get the fruit of the Spirit. Probably a lot of us here could recite that, could quote that. But prior to the fruit of the Spirit, we get a a different list, which is the desires of the flesh. Uh, Paul says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. So he gives this list here. I think there's 17, if I remember correctly, items on this list. Not exactly sure. These first three have to do with sexual misconduct, The next two, idolatry and witchcraft, worshiping other gods. The next several, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, uh, problems with your heart, your emotions. And then the last two, uh, drunkenness and orgies, are substance, misusing substances and being influenced uh, by them. Pastor Doyle wants us to focus on these first three, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. He told me, he did tell me, there's lots of hors d'oeuvres at the party. And that's true. You see at least four of them in this list. He wants us to focus for the time being, though, on this first one. Notice what Paul says about it. It's obvious. By which he means it's obviously wrong. It is obvious what this is. You guys are trying to redefine it. You're trying to justify it. You're trying to find some way to indulge in it that makes you feel good about yourselves. But it still is what it is. And that is obviously blatantly wrong, dangerous, sinful, hurtful, harmful. That's what Paul is saying here. Pastor Doyle put it this way. He says, um, our bodies are a reflection of what God is doing in us. Okay, And by body, we mean it. Not just uh, the appearance of our body, the health of our body, that might be part of it. But what comes out of our mouth you know, what, what the Bible calls our countenance, our spirit, our attitude, what our hands do, what people see us doing. All of that is a reflection of what God is doing in us, or it could be a reflection of what the flesh, the world, the enemy is doing in us. It could be a reflection of how we have given into the fantasy. Well, here's the fantasy of the life of the party, particularly when it comes to sexual misconduct, probably applies to the others as well, but this is the one that that we wanted to hit on today. The fantasy is this doesn't hurt anybody. Nobody gets hurt but me, and I probably don't get hurt either, because it's just physical. It's just an act. It's just a thing that we do, and then we move on, and there's no ramifications. There's no consequences. Nobody gets hurt. This is a victimless crime. Uh, One of the fellows last night talked to me afterwards. We went out to get something, and he said, Crime, by definition, cannot be victimless. I say, I agree, but this is the fantasy. This is a victimless crime. Scripture says otherwise. Go to Corinthians here. Again, we've we've mentioned Colossians. We mentioned Galatians. Now we hit Corinthians. Here's what Paul says. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. You defile your body. 
Paul says, if you give in to this fantasy. If I mess up my house, I can get a new house. If I mess up my car, I can get a new car. If I mess up my possessions, I can get new possessions. What can I do if I've defiled my body? You can't trade it in. I've tried. I've wanted to. I wanted one that was taller. You know, can I, can I get a taller model? And maybe I don't need the spare tire. You know, you know, you can't do that. The body is all you have. And Paul says, if you give into this fantasy, you will defile it. Jude comments on this. We love the book of Jude. Jude verse 10. There's no chapters in Jude, so just Jude 10. He says, these people, that's the false teachers that he, that he writes the entire book about. He says, they slander whatever they do not understand. That's a, a, a dirty tactic, but that's not where we are today. Save that for a different day. He goes on to say, the very things they do understand. So what they do not understand are spiritual things. That's, that's the implication there. They don't understand the things of God. The things they do understand, the things of the flesh, by instinct, as irrational animals, will destroy them. So he says, these people are animalistic. How do animals operate? When you're an animal, it's all consumption, isn't it? Animals aren't trying to make the world a better place. They're not trying to love their neighbor as themselves. Animals are trying to eat and then create other little animals. That's all they're trying to do. He says these false teachers are like animals in the way they think and the way they behave, and it will destroy them. Let me debunk this fantasy for you, my friends, that nobody gets hurt, that I'm only hurting myself. Let me do it with Orson Welles. Familiar with Orson Welles? You know, Citizen Kane. And uh, in his latter years, he had trouble getting financing, but he did manage to make, out a, uh, make a couple movies. I found one of them on TV one day, came in through the middle, didn't really understand what's going on. But it's Orson Welles himself. He's walking down the street. He was in color. Citizen Kane's in black and white. This was in color. And uh, he was much older. And he's walking down the street, and he's got this big stogie in his mouth. Huge cigar. Now, all of my life... Tobacco use has been isolated. I barely remember as a kid going into a restaurant and them asking smoking or non-smoking, you know. Even then they were kind of, now it's completely isolated. Every day as I leave the house, I see these women in front of this factory that they have forced them outside by the street. And that's where they have to have their cigarettes. So it's been completely isolated. But back then, dude's just walking down the street, smoking a cigar. And then he walks into a clothing store, a fur store. They had those back then too with this cigar. Now, cigarettes are bad as far as odor is concerned, right? Cigars are nuclear, man. Have you ever smelled a cigar? They're rough. He takes it into a clothing store. He's smoking the cigar. He's the one doing it. Who's smelling it? Everybody smelling it. He's creating an atmosphere, isn't he? He is putting things into the air. And I want to suggest to you that we are doing the very same thing when we give in to this fantasy. It's not that this is just me and I'm not hurting anybody else. No, we are creating an atmosphere that hurts everybody. Let me give you an example. A couple years ago, I guess, there was a Super Bowl halftime show. My wife and I, we don't watch the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, We've been repulsed by them for decades, I think. So we invite friends over. We have food. When the halftime show starts, we turn the TV off and we have 15 minutes of prayer and asking the Lord to, to speak to us. And then we go back to enjoying the game, right? But apparently, one of these halftime shows was two pop singers 
I guess they were wearing very little clothing and they were behaving very suggestively. That's pretty much all I knew. I go to my huddle, uh, which is my, my meeting with some other disciples, other followers of Jesus led by my mentor. We meet on Zoom. So I come into the huddle and they start talking about how this was empowering to women, that women were empowered by this halftime show. And I'm sitting there watching, okay? I don't say anything at first. Now, there are some fellas that when they leave every Sunday, they tell me, stay out of trouble. Very hard for me to do. My mouth gets me in trouble quite often. So I listened to this discussion for as long as I could. And then finally I said, listen, if I'm empowering these women, I am depowering my wife. Because it's not just me watching that show. My wife is sitting on the couch next to me watch, watching me watch that show. And next to her is my daughter watching her watching me watch that show. It creates an attitude, an atmosphere, a spirit in my house, one that is threatening to these women. There are no women that I am supposed to, by the will of God, empower more than these two women. And if I empower any other women, I am doing the exact opposite of that. My wife has told me how she feels about these matters. She's right to feel that way. Some women have tried to convince. There there was a woman one time said, just let them look. Just let them look. And even I was smart enough to know, no, that's garbage, man. Don't listen to that, you know? My daughter doesn't understand these things very well, but she knows that daddies sometimes leave their families because of other women. And she's very concerned about that. That's the atmosphere that I could create in my house. Tell me. I'm only hurting myself, right? That's what the fantasy says? Absolutely not. Let me give you another example. Our uh, home in California, we had this trail, four-mile-long trail um, sometimes I would run it, sometimes I'd walk it, sometimes I was biking it. One day I was biking it, and uh, there was a girl in front of me. She had a license tag on the back of her, her bike that said Melanie. I don't know how old she was. I don't think she could be my daughter, but it wouldn't be far off, man. She was, you know, she was young, you know, not even on my radar. You know? Only my wife's on my radar, but she definitely wasn't on my radar. And her bike breaks. And we get to the top of this hill and her chain pops off her bike. I see it happen. I see her stop. I go around her. I thought God told me to stop and help her. So that's what I did. I stopped, put the kickstand down. I go, and I try to be like this nice guy. And I was like, hey, Melanie, you got a problem with your bike? She stiffened it up. And she says, no, no, thank you. I'm okay. I've got it. Go away. And I was so shocked that I did. (laughs) You know, I just... I didn't say anything to her. I just turned around and left. And I was a little offended by that, a little hurt. But I go and tell my wife, and she says, you can't go up to, to women on the trail. You know, they're, they're afraid. I don't think I'm that terrifying looking. I mean, maybe I am, but not in that way. This is Pastor Doyle Jackson for The Church Next Door. Reading the Bible is important. It's something that every Christian should do. It will transform your life. It'll help you grow spiritually. It is good for you. Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes every day. We'll give you insights and we'll encourage you. 
So read the Bible with me and join me daily. That's A Year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. What I love about prayer is this, that you and I touch eternity, that we step into the throne room of God, we go to heaven, so to speak, in the sense that our voice reaches heaven, but it impacts earth. That's amazing. So let's do that right now. Let's pray over our giving today and see what God will do. So Lord, we just want to come to you today and and we want to to say, bless our giving, bless our generosity. Now, this is why, God, you know, we give. We give because you told us to give. We're generous because you're a generous God. But God, sometimes we give it and we don't really think about it much. And right now we want to stop in the middle of our week. We want to stop in the middle of our busy day. We want to stop and say, you know, God, you're the one that's given us life and creativity today. You're the one that gives us breath and health. And and we're giving this week. We're we're taking from the, the fruit of our labor. We're taking from our life and we're giving back to you. God, you know the people that we've been helping out. You know the individuals and you know the ministries that we're supporting. And what we want you to do is to bless them. God, would you take the gift that we gave and would you multiply it? Not so that we would have to give less, but so that we could see that in our giving you do more. That your kingdom grows. Like the little boy who brought his loaves and his fishes and he said, sure, you can have it. Let us see the blessing from our giving. God, begin to show us the lives that are being transformed because we're helping the ministry, the church, the kingdom of God be established. God, it, it takes faith when we, when we give. It takes faith when we trust you. But God, now we're asking you, open our eyes. Help us to see the ways that our giving is working. May your love overflow and grow because that was Jesus' example to us and that's why we give and it's in his name we ask you to bless our giving today. Amen. You know, I know I know that that prayer was good and that you were part of that, but I want to take you to the next step because that's what we're all about here, right? So would you go to yournextstepnow.com? That's our website and give us your email address and we're going to give you our ebook. It's a prayer guide. This month, it's free. Know that it's free. It's not going to cost you. You just have to give me your email address, and then you and I can become prayer partners for the ministry. I need you to pray with me, agree with me. Our world needs revival. We need you to become a prayer partner. This community needs you. So go to yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and get your free prayer guide ebook today. Your Next Step is a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued. But to financially support the ministry, visit thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. That's thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. Of course, we'll be glad to send you a gift of thanks in return. For more resources to guide and grow your faith, you can visit doylejackson.com. That's D-O-Y-L-E jackson.com. If you need prayer or have questions, text us at 888 888- 644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. Thanks for joining us. 
and we hope to see you next time for Your Next Step.